RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Wednesday morning on RCR is Legal Hub morning, and Nick Kearney, flying solo again, joins me for this week's Legal Hub. Nick, good to have you again. Yeah, good morning, Paul, and good morning to uh, your listeners. Okay, a few topics uh, to get into this morning, but first, because after every Legal Hub program, there is a, what's the word, an avalanche, a plethora, a cornucopia of uh, feedback items that come in. So it's probably good that we address some of those now because there is quite a volume uh, that is built up because of the popularity of this feature. So maybe before we talk about some of the legal issues that are sort of uh, front of mind this week, we can address some of that feedback, Nick, if you don't mind. Yeah, that'd be good. And I take that as a compliment that and, and offering their feedback. And it I, totally is a compliment. It yeah, totally I, is. Yeah. I take I take pity on the people monitoring the inbox, to be fair, because, <laughs> because, <laughs> because the, the correspondence is, is, is flooding in, is flooding in, yeah. yeah. So one of the things we discussed last week, uh, of course, was the uh, the rules around uh, the electoral, uh, you know, the elections that are held in the country and the failure by um, uh, NZ Loyal, I think, to, to lodge their party list in time inaccurately and, and the ramifications for that. Yeah. Uh, arise, arising out of that were a couple of uh, questions around uh, uh, electoral donations rules, um, and particularly, you know, how could uh, there was a, a reference made, I think, to, to John Tamahiri and how could uh, his uh, charitable trust make a donation to his uh, his party, uh, to Party Māori, and, and what was the situation there? So we're just going to cover that off really quickly. Um, electoral donation rules have changed a lot uh, over over the years. They they're quite a political topic now. Uh, they, you know, they got very strict under the uh, Helen Clark uh, regime um, uh, in uh, roundabout. So when the, the 2005 roundabout, roundabout there, when um, you may not recall, but uh, I certainly took part. I, I don't protest much, but I took part in this protest, a large march down Queen Street uh, in response to the uh, Electoral Finance Act, uh, which was led, if you remember, by uh, another radio host at the time, Leighton Smith. And there was a large gathering, probably, you know, 30,000 people marched down Queen Street. Wow. At, the t- at the time, the Herald made a big hue and cry about it too. And uh, one of their front page headlines was democracy under attack. And they were very concerned about some of the restrictions on, on third parties and what their requirements were under the law uh, the new proposed laws, uh, if they were, you know, um, appearing to promote political parties or offer offer political comment on uh, on election matters, uh, and the Herald said, "Look, all the media is going to be captured by this. It's it's absurd, uh, and it was absurd." And I took particular uh, attention at the time because I was a party secretary of a of a political party, uh, and uh, the, the the person who gets punished at political level for breaching these rules is dear old party secretary, which oh, was me. Okay. Yeah, which was me. Yeah. So I did my bit and marched down Queen Street and, you know, and, and thankfully they were watered down quite a lot. Uh, the John Key government came in in 2008 and, and promised, of course, to uh, overturn these, you know, capricious, arbitrary, onerous election donation rules, but never did really. Just tinkered around, tinkered around the edges um, and what have you. So, but, the, but all the way through consistently, uh, we have had uh, limits, um, of the amounts of money that people there's no limit on the amount of money that people or organisations can donate at all. So anybody can donate as much as they want. 
but there are now there, there always has been there's limits on what p- political parties must declare right in, in their donations return uh, and so for example if there's a donation of over fifteen thousand dollars to a to a party that must be declared in the party's donations return uh, any anonymous donation uh, over one thousand five hundred dollars must also be declared uh, and one of the interesting nuances about an anonymous donation is we were asked you know, I remember a political secretary. It must <laughs> that might sound absurd. You know, must you know as best as possible. I think it was uh, uh, write down the name and and everything of the anonymous donor. Well, how do we know who it is? It's anonymous. Yeah, that's you know I mean? <laughs> doesn't quite scan. Yeah, so, okay. So what you have to do is you have to say we have received an anonymous donation over fifteen hundred dollars, and it was two thousand dollars, and it was from someone we didn't even know. Now it, it, it sounds a bit unusual because you know if I transfer money into your bank account, Paul, it comes up as, you know, showing from Nick Kearney. So how a political party could know it's anonymous is, is kind of still beyond me a bit, but anyway. Well, bag of cash at the door. Bag of cash at the door, write a check, I suppose. Uh, but but the donor is allowed to say, well, I'd like to, to remain anonymous. Yeah. Okay. So therefore, it, it's anonymous even though to the party it's not. <laughs> yeah, um, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then overseas donations and contributions over the uh, princely sum of fifty dollars must be declared uh, as well. Uh, there are other there are other rules. Um, fifty only fifty. F- fifty dollars. That's so, nothing. So, that's not even petty cash. No, that, that that's right. So that was put in um, obviously for uh, this um, unknown. I think for you know fear that. Overseas big corporations and mega rich people were trying to influence our election, and so if they made any sort of donation overseas people uh, at all, uh, then you know you're not going to get much for your buck for forty nine dollars. So anything over fifty has you're to not, be declared. No, there's no, no way. Yeah. Anything over fifty has to be declared uh, for overseas people. Uh, parties are required to report donations and loans. Uh, loans, and this is, we'll come to loans in a second, Paul. Uh, loans over $20,000 immediately. So anything that comes in that's over 20, uh, I think you've got five working days or 10 working days to report that to the uh, Electoral Commission. So so you can loan a political party money, can Uh, you? You You can. can. A loan is treated as a donation for for electoral rule purposes, yeah. So they're kind of the basic rules and, uh, you know, um, a few months, well, every year, uh, every year political parties must file a donations return uh, with the Electoral Commission's Stating, you know, these um, these donations, what have been over fifteen thousand, what are anonymous over fifteen hundred, and the like, etc. And, and the party secretary signs a declaration saying it's all true and correct, and etc. 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 So it may seem, you know, relatively above board. There there are other um, relatively uh, tricky rules around what are called contributions and transmitters. So you can pass um, essentially. Uh, a virtual bucket around and collect uh, donations from you know 50 people uh, that add up to a certain amount and then that those contributions go to your account Paul uh, you then donate that money to uh, the political party of your choice you become the donor of that donation uh, and if you know the names of the contributors you must also disclose that over a certain amount I think again it's fifteen hundred dollars. But so, you don't need to break down the individual contributions in that bucket. Obviously. No, no, you don't. Uh, as I understand it, so, that means you could take a, you could clip a ticket for yourself. No one would ever know. Well, and, and if you remember Jamie Lee Ross, um, you know, with the trouble he got into with 
the donation that he arranged, I think, for the National Party or Simon Bridges. That's kind of what he did. He went around some uh, wealthy Chinese people and, um, you know, got them to contribute to one donation. Um, I'm not sure who made the donation uh, itself, but those people, those contributors, went uh, weren't declared uh, when the rules said they probably should have because the amount of their con- contributions was over the threshold, which I think is $1,500. Right. Okay. $1,500. Um, uh, so going back to the issue of loans, so this is where uh, John Tamahiri uh, comes into being because... Uh, he has, uh, he runs, of course, the Waipareira Trust, which is a, a charitable trust, and a charitable trust of, uh, rule, uh, has got rules it must adhere to under the Charities Act, and it's the Charities Commission regulates all that sort of stuff. Uh, of course, uh, John Tamahiri is now president also of the of Te Pāti Māori Party, and uh, he received, uh, I think it was a loan of uh, $385,000 uh, personally from the trust. Uh, and, um, you know, charities such as the Waipareira Trust must strictly adhere to their trustees uh, and, and to the rules um, of, the, of the Charitable Trustees itself and the Charities Act and, and what the Charities Commission says they must do. And I would have thought, in fact, I, I, I do know that, uh, you know, a, a non-interest-bearing loan to the uh, CEO of a political party, and I don't know where they ended up going, um, from the, a charitable trust is certainly, probably, almost certainly not uh, given for charitable purposes. Right. Uh, yeah. And and so he got into a bit of trouble with that. I think the Charities Commission made an investigation or had an investigation and ordered him to uh, to repay that money. Uh, and I, I don't, as, as of today, I don't know exactly what's happened. But that's what happened with Mr. Tamahiri. Um, of course, I think the suspicion was that he then on donated that money to the to the Mary Party. For, for the election campaign, but, um, you know, the, I could be wrong with that assumption. But, well, he, if he had to pay it back, he'd have to find, what was it, 300 and some K out of somewhere to, to pay that back, wouldn't he? $385,000, yes, yes. So Charity Services uh, issued a decision requiring the Waipareira Trust to claw back or to demand repayment, I suppose is a better way of putting it, uh, $385,000 of interest-free loans from John Tamahiri, Um yeah. So uh, well, not many people have that sort of money lying around. No, no, and look, he could have, he could have just kept it in a bank account for a rainy day or something, and might have just been able to maybe just, yeah you know, pull it out and pay it back. Who knows? But um, anyway, that, that's kind of basically um, some very basic rules around donations. Um, there's been a lot, uh, of course, over the years, some very controversial political donations. I remember the one from Kim.com, the John Banks and his mural campaign. Yeah, uh, there were always ones from overseas. Um, you know, uh, the Jennings family, the Stephen Jennings and, and the like, and Grant Hart, I think they've donated in the past. Uh, of course, John Banks got taken to court uh, for the Kim.com donation. Uh, it took him five or six or seven years to clear his name, and he eventually was cleared. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's um, a little okay. bit about that. Yeah. That's interesting. Have we got anything else in the feedback line before we get on to the issues? What, um, there's a bit there, but not that immediately, I think, related to okay. the topic right. of last week's show. Yeah. Okay, well, let's um, kick off with, I mean, <clears throat> the the issue that comes to mind first up is the, I think we can call it the cancelling, or the attempted cancelling, because it remains to be seen if that cancelling will, will result in that, or that attempt, of Russell Brand. So, yeah. well, okay, where do we start on this? 
Well, I, well, look, I want to start at the outset to um, to say that uh, I am a very firm believer in the concept of innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. It, it, it's so fundamental that it really you shouldn't have to reiterate it or confirm it on, on radio, you know, and... We well, apparently have, you do. Apparently you do. Well, we only have to. You only have to look back at uh, at what happened just a few months ago um, in the UK again with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Now Kevin Spacey was charged with seven or eight, you know, counts of I think sexual assault, and uh, the world, uh, you know, crashed down upon Kevin Spacey, uh, cancelled, belittled, sponsorships, acting roles gone, you know, etc. Uh, all for allegations and accusations, um, had a day in court and cleared of all charges. Yeah. But of course, what you can't do is you can't, he can't now at his age, and he made the comment at the time, and he was you know, in tears, I think, you know, that my acting career is ruined um, be, simply because of, of the allegations, even though I'm cleared, um, you know, there's essentially no way back for me now. And, um, you know, it, it's very, very um, disheartening to actually see that kind of thing happening. and Well, it's uh, kind of a, a pattern because, okay, Kevin Spacey is one thing. I'm thinking back to Julian Assange. What the, the first go they had at him um, involved allegations, I think out of Sweden, that he'd done certain things of a sort of sex crime nature. And that turned out to be nothing to see there. But that was used, it was kind of the first sort of wounding of it, you know? And um, it's, it's Assange and the other guy, Ed Snowden, you know, I mean, he's living in Russia somewhere. Um, of course, enemies of the state, I suppose, if you want to call them that. But you um, sex, the, sex crimes is, the, is sort of like the go-to as the first hit, it seems. Uh, yes, and um, we have another, um, yeah, another person. Um, again, I um, Jeffrey Epstein is, is another. And Jeffrey Epstein was convicted and went to jail. Well, they don't say uh, they didn't try and cancel him so much. He was given an easy ride, it seems. Yeah, 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 yeah well, he did, and he got, he got away, well, he, well, he got away with a lot of stuff before he eventually got convicted and called into jail, obviously, uh, but. Coming back to Russell Brand, so, you know, he, he's an easy target now because of his outspokenness against uh, the restrictions and COVID and his online, you know, um, uh, platform in that regard. And, and I, you know, there are other ones that, that I suppose have to be a little bit careful too. And I think, I mean, we all we all know of, you know, the um, cancellation of uh, Dr. McCulloch and, um, uh, yep. and Malone, Dr. McCulloch and Malone in America, I think. Uh, there was a lot of uh, nervousness around Joe Rogan at the time, as well as his Spotify show, the Joe Rogan show. So, you know... Um, Alex Jones, even uh, though yeah. a few are going to wince when they hear that, but, you know, he's yeah, um, so, yeah, topped so it, it hugely. It, it just seems to me to be awfully convenient that these allegations come out now against uh, Russell Brand. And I don't want to belittle um, anything, you know, I don't want to belittle... And I shouldn't do, and none of us should, uh, you know, belittle uh, accusations of sexual assault um, from women because it's horrendous. And, and if, if they if they if they're proved to be found guilty and 
Yeah, but why would you sit on it for 20 years, Nick? This is the problem. Why do you sit on something well, like this? Well, I remember, I remember uh, well, not remember, but one of the one of the inverted commas, if I can call it that, uh, allegations, both inverted commas, was somebody who said she was emotionally uh, abused by Russell Brand. You see. Now, um, you know, and everyone's meant to have shock horror because someone 20 years ago was emotionally abused. But well, what, does, what does that mean? And and exactly how, what was that emotional abuse? And, even if there was emotional abuse, you know, can you, I mean, is, should, is, that, is that a crime? Uh, I mean, is, do, do, do we now say that Russell Brand, now 20 years later, um, unproven, uh, should lose his career, be cancelled, have his platforms taken down? And dare I say it, I'm just waiting for his bank accounts to be closed. That, right. that probably will happen, yeah. I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Because of something, some emotional abuse, apparently, from someone 20 years ago. I mean, I don't, as I say, I'm in a, it's a bit of a difficult one because I don't, you don't want to belittle the, accus, the accusation. You don't want to belittle the, the woman involved and they've got to be taken seriously and the claims have to be investigated. Uh, and they, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. How, but, how can you investigate but, claims like that, though, so many years later? There's no evidence. It's he said, she said. Uh, this is yeah. the thing. And, of course, we don't want to belittle anything like that. But... Kind of the circumstances of what you've already, you know, reminded us uh, reminded us of Kevin Spacey. There's Julian Assange. That sort of thing belittles this. False accusations belittle, you know, real situations that, uh, uh, you know. And yes, that, that's right. You, you know, if we work through all this and, and come out, if Russell Brand comes out at the end of it in three or four years' time, and uh, none of this is really proven, or it wasn't really shown to have happened. And he's ruined. Oh, he's ruined. I mean, he, he's ruined. I mean, it, you can tell in the pleas now that he's making on air, and and the work he is going through to try and, um, you know, I guess uh, correct his reputation or bring it back to what it should be. That he knows that he's in a hell of a fight now. Yeah. Uh, and too. and it all comes look, and it all comes on the back of actually. Um, the United Kingdom, this is linked to what happened in the United Kingdom just recently, this last week uh, or so, uh, where the United Kingdom Parliament passed their uh, OSB, which is their uh, online safety bill. So uh, the online, um, and I know you like that word online safety bill, but uh, the, the online safety bill um, requires um, internet service providers in, in the United Kingdom um, if they've been served a notice by the British government to scan uh, all of their uh, users and even get in behind their end-to-end encryption messages to find out what people have been talking about through wow. through things like WhatsApp and bits and bits and pieces like that. Uh, it's, it's been passed in the UK Parliament. Um, and the interesting thing, at the, one of the interesting things for me is that, of course, the UK at the moment, you've got um, a conservative Tory parliament or government uh, in in, America, in in England. Uh, and the Prime Minister, I think, is, is it Rishni Sunak? Or, yeah, Sunak is the PM. Sunak yeah. pronunciation might be a bit a bit wrong there. But uh, so, you know, you've got, suppose, you know, you haven't got a, you know, a, I guess a, a controlling left wing, a, 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 you know, type authoritarian government. There. You've got a, a Tory conservative government that is meant to stand up for, you know, human rights. And, and the, one of the human rights I would have thought, and this is what one of the comments during the week that I read on it, was it's a basic human right to have a private conversation. 
right? For sure. And and you know whether you have that private conversation through something like um, Signal or WhatsApp or um, what's the other one or any of them that are going around, you know. Um, and when I thought about this a bit more, uh, you know, one of the um, I use I use the um, a messaging app WeChat quite a bit, which is a Chinese messaging app, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and because I have a lot of Chinese friends and and work associates and clients and bits and pieces, and and I and I and I'm learning Mandarin, so it allowed me to actually practice oh, Mandarin cool. with them too. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, uh, just just as an aside, but. One of the things with WeChat is that it's owned by the Chinese government through a company called Tencent. Yes. Uh, yeah, Tencent. Uh, and it's well known that on WeChat, you don't criticize the Chinese government. Okay. You don't say anything about politics or the Chinese government. Uh, it's just, you know, and of course, I never would anyway. It's not, I don't really, you know, get involved in that sort of stuff. We're just, you know, normal chit-chat stuff that you would do with anybody like through a text message or Facebook Messenger or something like that. It's the same sort of stuff you can do, photos and bits and pieces like that. But but the Chinese government heavily um, uh, censors and heavily, um, you know, reason, you know, goes in behind the back door of WeChat to, 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 it's got all these algorithms, all these people and algorithms and software programs to weed out messages that it might deem to be anti-government or whatever, whatever. Um, and that's exactly now what the UK government has done by passing this bill. Okay. Yeah, all, and they've and, and they've also contacted. I think well, YouTube have demonetized. Interesting, they haven't taken his content down. They've demonetized the content, and you've got uh, is a Dame Carolyn Diniage, mm-hmm. who I think is the a Tory um, Select Committee um, chairperson or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, sending a letter. With you know UK Parliament letterhead, um, urging Rumble, who is the alternative video hoster in this case, to do the same to demonetize again, not to take the content down, but to economically hurt him. Though he's probably not hurting that much, his net worth is in the the millions of dollars anyway. But it's going after your your livelihood. I mean, but, why but not think, ask them just to take all the content off? The, but think of this, Paul. You have got. I, and I don't know this Dame Caroline Dinanage, whether she's a conservative or Labour. In, in I think she's conservative. Yeah, okay. Sorry. So, so what we have here is a member of Parliament in the Parliament at the moment, elected, writing to social media companies, ordering them to take down someone's content. Well, not take it down to demonetize it. Well, that's yeah. taking it down, right? Yeah, because okay. if you're demonetizing it. He can't make a living off it. Why no. is he going to do it? Why is he going to do it? Right yeah. now, the natural extension of that, the natural extension of that, is um, MPs of any persuasion not liking the messages on social media about them or about their government or about the part whatever about their policies, de- you know, demonetizing or giving and uh, issuing takedown messages. And where have we where where in the last six to eight weeks have we talked about this? Yeah. Here, where it's happening here. Yeah, but it requires. Okay, so let's say, let's map this out. Let's say um, the authorities here got very grumpy about what I was saying on RCR. Now, they'd have a hell of a job to make a a, a big case out of that just on what we say because we're reasonable people. 
But if they could find someone, and they won't be able to because there's no one in my past like that. I'm just using me as an example. If they could find someone who could throw around some sort of accusation and kind of wing me with that, then I'd have a problem. I would easily find someone because I'd pay them a lot of money. Yeah. And and it doesn't matter if there's anything in it or not. And that's no. not the point. No. You know, you're saddled with it. You have to fight it. Um, the court of public opinion is influenced in particular ways. Um, there's, you know, trolls everywhere. It's so easy to do that. If that happened, if that happened, do you think you would have the ability to issue these takedown notices to some of those social media platforms, stopping them saying nasty things about um, you that were unproven? I, I imagine I'd be the least powerful. Never, in, never in, in a million game. years. Never in a million yeah. years. So this is where the the power of the government and the state becomes all far, far, far too much, right? Uh, and so, you know, we definitely have to maintain a watching brief on this. And it, it's interesting that the timing of these actions, you know, by this MP, Dame Caroline, um, occurred just, you know, very shortly after. A the, day the and House, a half, I think. A day, day and a half after the House of Lords passed that online statement. Oh, okay, bill. yeah. Well, it was within very close proximity. Yeah, it was day and a half very close to when YouTube made their announcement, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and you see yeah. that that it puts to Ofcom, which is the broadcasting regulator, it puts the, this realm now uh, in their um, jurisdiction, and that's what's being called for here. It's like um, uh, bringing, okay, we've got the Broadcasting Standards Authority, but I think the proposal is to sort of merge that with uh, other entities to be a sort of like a global policing agent for the state of all the media Platform, so you can see that we're following. Th- this is this is a model that's being rolled out in in a few places. There is some light at the end of the tunnel, for though. So we there oh, is really some light that's from, great from the legal from the legal point of view. There is some light in America at the end of the tunnel. Legal system is going to save us, Nick. Is it in the well, end? Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, lawyers okay. can only do so much, Paul. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, haven't got a, I haven't got a cape and I can't fly around the world a hundred miles an hour. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, or, or leap a tall building in a single bound and catch a bullet between my teeth. But anyway, I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. Working on the last one. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, so in California, uh, they, the California legislature passed uh, a, a piece of law called Assembly Bill 2098, or just conveniently called AB 2098. And, AO, and AB 2098, um, was a law that dealt to medical misinformation which aimed to punish doctors for spreading COVID-19 misinformation or disinformation. Now, AB 2098 uh, was passed into law in September 2022 and took effect on January the 1st uh, this year. Right. Um, there, but there were challenges to AB 2098 uh, by numerous um, but the children's, children's health organisations, actually, um, uh, jumped in there, and, and they protected the children. And um, and less than a month after it was passed in January this year, uh, a federal judge in California blocked the bill and granted an injunction uh, uh, to the to the challenge on the basis that it was in you know, breach of the First Amendment right in America of the right to free free speech, which is as we know is upheld extremely strongly uh, in America. Um, so it was in legal limbo from about, uh, what did I say, June last year, I think, um, or oh, maybe March last year for a little, until about now when uh, mysteriously uh, another bill appeared in the um, California Senate. Uh, it was 
uh, SB Senate Bill 815, which in, in SB 815 was uh, a, a kind of an omnibus bill that dealt with a variety of matters uh, and things, which we have in our New Zealand Parliament. They, they pass omnibus, omnibus bills all the time that cover off you know, minor tax changes, minor changes to employment law and bits and pieces that you don't introduce a single bill for because it's just it's just a waste of time. You just do it through one bill. But this Senate Bill 815, this omnibus bill, included a clause that, wait for it, repealed AB 2098. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 Uh, so um, so that was good. So obviously the, you know, um, the California legislature, the Senate decided or realised they were up against a fight. They weren't going to win the challenge to the original bill. Um, and good on this, uh, this children's organisation. I think it was called the children, Children's Health Defence Organisation. Uh, and they supported one of the four lawsuits. Uh, and uh, as a result, um, you know, it's been back down in California and the bill's been um, repealed, scrapped and thrown away. So, look, there, there is hope. There is hope at the end of the tunnel with, uh, you know, we've just talked about what the UN is doing. Uh, well, in California, uh, you know, people fought it, took it to court and uh, it was kicked out. Yeah, you need a First Amendment, though, to make that work. Uh, you need some sort of something like the First Amendment, at least. Yeah, you do. Yeah, we're a bit more loose than that, aren't we? I'm just trying to, you know, see how well, we are, like that would run here. Yeah, yeah, we are. What we've seen here is, is challenges, uh, you know, on the basis of um, judicial review of certain actions, um, et cetera. I don't even think, uh, I mean, I'm sure this is one of the amazing things that, for me, during the COVID um, stuff was, you know, the Attorney General is required to produce a report to Parliament about whether bills breached the, the Bill of Rights Act uh, each time. Uh, and I don't remember seeing any reports from him saying that some of these, you know, onerous measure, measures were in breach of the Bill of Rights. Uh, but of course, you remember um, the very first thing that happened, or the very first court case here, um, I think that barrister Andrew Borrowdale took, uh, and he, 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 believe the first, I think, seven or nine days of the first lockdown were illegal. That's right. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and he won that case uh, as well. But all you get all you get here, uh, you don't get the law uh, repealed because unlike here, our system doesn't allow it. You get the court declaring that, yes, in fact, there was a breach of that law. Uh, the, the courts here cannot, uh, the courts here, because Parliament is supreme in New Zealand. So the so Parliament, you know, can pass essentially with well, there's there's a few very um, um, out there, I suppose. Or there's a few exceptions which are never really um, argued or challenged. But Parliament can pass any law at once, and and the courts can't really do anything to challenge it and say, no, 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 you can't pass that law. It's it's a breach of someone's rights. Or no, they can say it's a breach, but it can just keep reoccurring. And... That's right. And they can recommend to Parliament, I think, uh, in, in an order that it should be repealed or amended or whatever. Um, but I, I don't recall many instances of, of courts doing it or even and or uh, Parliament taking it. That's over. not a very good system, is it? I, I, th I think at the moment that system's under challenge. That's my personal view. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that time flew by. Yeah. And uh, some really interesting cases every week's an interesting week in the law, of course, whether it's here or anywhere on the globe. Thanks, Nick, for coming in again this week. We've spent uh, all of our time this morning talking about stuff that's happened outside New Zealand, and maybe next week we'll venture back to um, to, to here and talk about stuff uh, you know happening um, in the legal fraternity in New Zealand.
Yeah, next week's Legal Hub. We'll do it all again next Wednesday. Thank you, Nick. Have a great week. You too. Have a good, have a good day. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.